I remember like stepping and I couldn't hit the ground. I couldn't feel the, the ground beneath me. I couldn't feel the bottom. And I called over to her and she was probably about maybe five, four feet away, three feet away. And we kept sort of drifting apart, but we were close enough that we were laughing together and talking. We could hear each other. And I said, Max, I can't touch the bottom. She's we're about the same height. Shatina, I can't touch it either. I said, come on, we need to get we need to get back. And at that point we looked up and where we had entered the sea, we had drifted so far away. And all of a sudden, I, d I can't remember how clear it was, but we just started sp spreading farther and farther apart. And we both just tried to swim closer in. And the harder we tried, the current was coming back at us. And it was, you know, you, it was like a, a hamster on a wheel. Our legs were just going and going. you to meet Tina. In the summer of 2021, Tina was swimming off the coast of Bentleck Beach on Anglesey with her good friend Mags. Unlike most rescue stories, this is one about remembering how to be your own lifesaver and what happens when your best friend can't do the same. I'm Jasmine and thank you for listening to Lifesavers, the podcast from the RNLI. Going for a dip in the sea or a wild swim can feel great, and it's good for you. And because loads of us are doing it, in many ways Mags and Tina's story could have happened to any of us. Mags and Tina have been friends for about five years, regularly meeting up on holidays at their caravans in North Wales. That was, this was the morning that we went. Oh my god. That was the, see, so it wasn't that bad. But she was like, Tina, take a picture of me because I look like a proper you know, swimmer, and she normally wears a, a she sometimes wears a two-piece, but she's like, I've got my proper swim, swim costume on and I look all professional. I'm trying to find the pub picture. The one of us, when we went to the pub together, was probably one of my favourites. And that was this summer? Mm-hmm. The 24th of July. There's me and Mags. Hmm. Is this the first time you'd been away together? No, well, she, um, she has the caravan across from me. So we're just friends because we live, we have a caravan on the same site. So Max had a boxer called Ralph, and we had we had Max. Max passed away, and then we got Roxy. So we ended up becoming we've known each other for five years. So we're just friends because of the boxer, really. So it was just down to it was just down to the dog. She's very bubbly. Um, just she's lovely. Max lost her husband Bren. Um, oh, when was it? maybe three or four years he passed away at the caravan and um it was just you know obviously he was her soulmate they didn't have kids together um just the dog ralph was that was their baby um very very close couple and when he passed away it really obviously took a toll on mags and um she's just now got to the point where she's really trying to to do things for herself and to live life and you know and trying to trying to enjoy life as much as she can. She's so, she's so brave. That energy Mags had, helping her enjoy life again after losing Bren, led her to widen her horizons and try new things. She took up beach yoga, and more recently she had started cold water swimming. The next natural thing was to get Tina out for a swim with her. She came over one morning and she said, Tina, she says, you've got to come with me one day. I said, what are you doing? And she says, I'm swimming in the sea. 
And I said, don't be daft. She said, no, I have. She said, it's amazing. She said, it's so invigorating. And she said, you need to come with me. So I went, all right then, go on, I'll come. So it was quite nice out. It was it was warm and, and the sea looked just like a lake. It was so placid and it was just nice and glassy. And I said, yeah, I'll go and I don't ever do things like that. I'm not spontaneous. I, I really am not. And so... Did she bring yeah. that side out of you a little mm, bit? Yeah, yeah. And um, she's like, come on, you can do it. She's the one who got me doing yoga on the beach. And I, I told you, I tried it once. I didn't do it again. And... Um, so she's trying all these new things and, and she's like, she knows I struggle with my mental health quite a lot. And she said, it's really good for your mental health. And she said, it'll just give you this burst of energy. So I said, okay, I'll do it. So we went down and it was amazing. I had such a great time. It was warm and we laughed and, and giggled and we sort of reverted back to being kids. I've had the caravan on Anglesey for five years and I've never once come in the sea. That was that? the first time. I don't know. It, it was it was just, I'm funny. I've always been around the beach, but I can't stand the sand. And I hate getting sand in my clothes and, and in my toes and, and everything else. And it's silly, but there's no shower at Benplex. So <laughs> I always thought, you know, you're just going to come up to the caravan and you're going to be a mess. And I've just never bothered. I've just honestly never really bothered. And we had a blast and we must have been playing in the sea for about three hours. Gorgeous weather. So we were finishing up and she was going back to her caravan and I was going back to mine. And she said, we're going to do it again tomorrow morning, aren't we? And I went, yeah, go on, that's fine, whatever. And the next morning, true to her word, Mags was up bright and early to get Tina ready for another day in the waves. So it was about, must have been about 20 past eight in the morning. And I heard her knocking and I got up. And she's like, are we going this morning? And I opened the doors and the clouds, it was dark and it wasn't a pretty morning. It looked really overcast and it felt cold. And I said, Max, I don't want to go. I said, it's too cold. And she's like, come on, it'll be great. It'll be fun. And so I tried to get out of it and I thought, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say no. I felt like I needed to go with her because she was going and, and, I love her to bits. I think the world of her. And I thought, I don't want to go on her own. Got my costume on. We walked down. We took some pictures at the beach and we were laughing. And there must have been about four or five different people walking past watching us as we were about to get into the sea in our swimming costumes. And it really did feel chilly outside. It wasn't freezing. It was still July, but it it, it did feel cold. What did Um, the water look like? it It wasn't choppy. It wasn't placid. But it wasn't choppy. It wasn't too bad. It, it certainly wasn't at the point where I went, no, we're not, we're not doing that. That's just silly. And um, we didn't think twice about getting in it other than it looked cold. It did look cold. Mm. Um, but that was more of the challenge, I think, you know, because because we wanted to feel fresh and, and, and everything else and, and just kind of challenge ourselves. I mean, I'm 47 and I think all the time I've missed out on so much and I want to start doing stuff and I admire Max because she lost her husband and she pushes herself all the time and challenges herself she does yoga she does all these things she just really takes life and and runs with it and I thought no she's right we, you know we're gonna do it so we were joking and she said right when you go in you can't scream like a girl I said, okay, I won't, because you know there's that that spot that you hit the water and oh, you're like, yeah. mm, you can feel it, can't you? Oh, my 
And so we go in and we go into the water and that spot was coming up. And she's like, Teen, we just need to run for it. We just need to go. And we sort of did. We ran into the sea and we were both laughing our heads off. And it was like either laughing hysterically or screaming, going, oh, this is ridiculous. Watching Tina and Mags from the shore was a guy called Austin. His mum owned a bed and breakfast across the road. And Austin was visiting for the weekend with his girlfriend as a birthday treat away from their home in Manchester. As a cold water swimmer himself, Austin couldn't help noticing Tina and Mags as they waded further out to sea. So we started laughing and we must have been playing in the sea for, oh gosh, 15, 20 minutes. And it turns out that, that Austin had timed it and we were in the sea for over 40 minutes. Didn't realise we were that long. And you don't know Austin, do no, you? No, don't know him. Because we just must have looked like two old crazy women going in the sea. And so we were bobbing up and down and playing. And I remember Mags, we were jumping over the waves. So they were coming and, and they were breaking over our, the, our heads when we were at a certain distance. And we were laughing and the water was would go in our faces. And I remember laughing and Mags said at one point, this is so much better. Should I take this over um, what we had yesterday anytime? She said, this is so much more fun. And I said, it really is. I said, yesterday was just like a lake. It was mill pond. That's what she called it. Should I'll take this over a mill pond any day. Next thing I know, I remember like stepping and I and I couldn't hit the ground. I couldn't feel the, the ground beneath me. I couldn't feel the bottom. And I called over to her and she was probably about maybe four feet away, three feet away. And we kept sort of drifting apart, but we were close enough that we were laughing together and talking, we could hear each other. And I said, Max, I can't touch the bottom. And she she said, hang on. And she tried and she's, we're about the same height. She said, Tina, I can't touch it either. I said, come on, we need to get, we need to get back. And at that point we looked up and where we had entered the sea, we had drifted so far away. Like it must've been, 25, 40 feet, I'm terrible with distance, but it was quite a long way from where we had entered, we'd drifted. And at the sea, it's um, in Bentlet, there's rocks that are all around, uh, around the side. And we were close to those rocks and I could feel us going out. And I even remember we were talking about, we don't have too much long because the tide's coming in. So we had thought, ignorantly that we weren't going to be taken out because the tide's coming in and all of a sudden I, d I can't remember how clear it was but we just started sp spreading farther and farther apart and we both just tried to swim closer in and the harder we tried the current was coming back at us and it was you know you was like a, a hamster on a wheel our legs were just going and going. Tina and Mags were caught up in a rip current a powerful current in the sea that draws you away from the shoreline. Even the strongest, most competent swimmers wouldn't stand a chance to swim against it. They managed to stay calm at first, but the rip wasn't only preventing them from getting back to the beach, it was pulling them away from one another too. I couldn't see Mags behind me anymore. I just kept calling out to her and I said, Mags, I said, are you okay, are you okay? And she was like, yeah, I'm trying to get back. Um, what did that feel like not being able to see her? It was scary. I could see her, but she was she was far enough away that I couldn't reach out to her. And she wasn't near the rocks. She was more like in the middle of the sea, but was going backwards, wasn't coming inland. I got to a point where 
I was going, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going under, I can't, there's no way I can get back to the shore here. My daughters both had swimming lessons and I remember from the swimming lessons and, and it's funny because I look back now and I think I used to be a lifeguard, but I was a lifeguard in a water park, like not a beach guard. But I remember certain things, water safety, that things that just stick with you. Mm. But I don't know if it was from that or if it was from the daughter's swimming lessons, and I think it was from their swimming lessons, to be honest, that they would tell our girls, the first thing they taught them was to do this starfish float. And that was always the first thing that they were taught was to float like a starfish, both on your stomach and both on your back. And that was what I thought about. All I could think about was this starfish float to gain strength. And then I thought, if I float, I'm going to get strength, but I'm going to float into the shore because the tide's coming in. So I immediately got up and I was able to just float and relax on my back. And I don't know how long I was floating for. It feels like an eternity. It might have been five seconds, but I was floating on my back and my breathing was getting heavier and heavier and faster and faster with my asthma. And then I realized that I was floating farther out because the, we, the way the rocks were, we were caught in some sort of swirl. And I was floating farther out and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm floating, but I'm just taking myself further out. And at some point I had turned, been gotten turned around and my head was facing the beach. And I just sort of, I don't know, something came over me. It was a peace, it was a strength. But after I was floating for a, a few minutes, I'd gained enough strength. My breathing kind of evened out and I had this just, it was almost like a wash of peace that just came over me. And I just started back stroking as hard as I could. And I'm not a good swimmer. When I was a lifeguard when I was 16 to 18, I'm 47 now and I have asthma. I'm not a strong swimmer, but something came through me. I had so much energy and I just started backstroking as hard as I could. And I ended up feeling the rocks on my hip and I stopped and I put my foot down and I could, I gained some traction on the rocks. And I was able to sit on the, like hold my foot against the rocks, look back and I called out to Margaret and I said, just float Mags. I said, get on your back and float. That memory from her daughter's swimming lesson, to lie like a starfish, to float, was critical for Tina. I want to pause the story there for a second to find out why it's such an important thing to do. When you first go into cold water, you get what we call a cold shock response. And that means you have uncontrollable breathing and a sudden increase in the work of the heart. That's Mike Tipton, Professor of Human and Applied Physiology from the University of Portsmouth. So what do you do if you find yourself in cold water? Well, you have to fight that natural urge to thrash about or swim hard. It's much safer to relax and try and float for about the minute to 90 seconds it takes for cold shock to disappear. So during that period of floating, your body will regain control of its breathing, it'll regain control of your heart rate, and you'll start to think straight. You can start planning your next move. Float. So you have to fight your instinct to thrash about in the water. You have to lie back like that starfish. Stay there for 60 to 90 seconds until your breathing is under control. And if you're in a rip current, don't swim against it. You won't win. Because Tina was floating, she had got her breathing under control. 
She was conserving her energy. She was still being carried by the water, but now to the safety of the nearby rocks, where she could get her footing and hold herself against the large stones. But Mags was still struggling in the middle of the sea, unable to hear what Tina was urging her to do. And I was just shouting, float, just float, just float. And um, she wasn't, I could hear her calling out to me, but I couldn't see if she was floating. And the about was, I can't get back out to her. I can't get to her, but I can't leave her. And I didn't, I honestly, for that moment, and this is the hardest thing about this whole situation is, would I have left Mags in the water? Would I have made it worse if I'd have gone out to her? Um, but I didn't feel like I had the strength to, to go back to her. And she was, she's my friend. I mean, she was out there and, and I couldn't get back to her. And I looked up and when I looked up, I could see a guy standing across the road. Um, and I didn't yell. And I don't know why I didn't yell, but I looked at him and I lifted my hands up as if to, to like make a phone call motion. And I put my hands up for him to, to call and, and he looked over and then I, then I shouted out and I said, call an ambulance, call someone. And at that moment, I was still against the rocks and I was still in the water, probably up to my chest. I wasn't shallow at all, but I was stable against the rocks. But the current was so strong and I was so scared to move from the rocks. All I could think about was Margaret and, and time was just, it felt like it was just whizzing round and like a clock was just whizzing round. That man was Austin, who'd watched them both go into the water earlier on. With Tina exhausted, it was taking all of her strength to cling onto the rocks and she could do nothing but watch her friend struggle in the water. Austin was Mags's only chance for help. And I was running out of time and he came into the water and he was across the road and he just took all of his clothes off and he just ran across these rocks because the, it wasn't just the beach, it was rocks and they were covered in algae and they were slimy and they were slippery. And I remember him just running across the rocks and by the time he got to me, it was in seconds. And um, I said, can you get my friend? Can you get her? And he went, yeah, yeah, I'm a strong swimmer. And when he said that, I thought, right, get out the water, Tina, just get out. So I got out trusting that he was going to get Margaret and then I looked up and um all of our stuff the water was so close to our things and I thought our phones are there everything's there so I got out and climbed across the rocks fell got up fell got up I must have fallen about three times my I've still got a scar on my foot got our bags was able to get back over and by this time a guy who, um, Paul, who had been running, had spotted Austin in the water, spotted him in the water struggling with Mags, got into the water with Austin, and by that point, Austin had gotten to the rocks um, and had Margaret, like, in a, in a bear hold, and Paul helped Austin pull her out. She was, at this point, a dead weight. Austin said by the time he got to her, she just kept bobbing up and down, couldn't get her foot in, couldn't float, she was trying to float, but the waves were going over her head and she was just taking in the water. And because she was panicking, she didn't close her mouth. And so, you know, it, it, she was swallowing the water and she swallowed quite a lot of water. And I do remember when I was floating, 
the water going over my face, but I kept my mouth shut and I think that that made all the difference because I wasn't swallowing it or choking it. It was just like, it's fine, I'm like, you know. Um, so they, they managed to get Margaret out. Um, I was back over to them by that point and I was sort of perched on the rocks. Austin's legs were just shredded. He had scratched himself up so much. And, um, and by that point we were on the phone with uh, the Coast Guard and they had instructed the boys not to move Margaret. Um, but I remember when they, when they got her out of the rocks she was sat on the rocks and she was just slumped over and she was awake and she was, but I looked in her eyes and her eyes were just lifeless. There was nothing in her eyes and she looked so scared um, and she was trying to catch her breath. Um, and I just leaned down into her and I got as close to her as I could and I just said, just look at me. Please just look at me in the eyes, just look at me. And there were people like buzzing around her and I was trying to move them out of the way so I could just make eye contact with her because I knew if she made eye contact with me, she'd be, she'd get it. And I remember she did and she looked up and she had her head down and she looked up at me and just made eye contact with me. And I held her stare as long as I could. By that point, the helicopter had landed and the ambulance was here and it was scary. It was really scary. And she had said to, to Austin, she told him that she lost her husband, explained to him about losing Bren. And then she said, if you'd have asked me yesterday if I, if I wanted to live or die, she, I wouldn't have cared. Or last year, sorry, if you'd have asked me last year, and she said, but this last year, this past this six to 12 months, should I've started living my life. She didn't. I was in the water, should I don't want to die. But I've got so much guilt over not going back. And I know I shouldn't because he was there. But I do, I really do. Did you think you were gonna lose that? I really did, yeah. Mags had swallowed a lot of water. She was taken to hospital while Tina could do nothing but wait. I was a wreck crying. I was so emotional. I came out of the ambulance and one of the RNLI volunteers was there. I wish I knew his name, a really big guy. He was lovely. And he came up to me and he put his arm on my shoulder and he put his other arm on my husband's shoulder. And um, he said to both of us, he said, listen, you need to be kind to yourself now. He said, because you you've gone through a really big ordeal. And he looked at Howard and he said, you take care of yourself too. And Howard's like, I wasn't even involved, but the, the volunteer knew enough and cared enough to know how that's still gonna impact Howard hours later. And it did. He was at the caravan that night crying, thinking, I nearly lost my wife. And it wasn't just the physical being there present and, like saving lives at sea. It was the, the compassion and the kind words where he said, you need to be kind to yourself. And we needed that advice. We yeah. really needed that. Have you been kind to yourself? Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. Have you forgiven yourself? <clears throat> That's a really good question. <laughs> 
Not that you had anything to forgive yourself no, for, but I, I know, know you felt you guilty. I don't think I have. Don't know if I need to to think about out loud what I would have done if if Austin wasn't there. What I would have done. But like I said, I thank God that I don't have to play that what if game anymore. Yeah, you know. It was several hours before Tina got a phone call from the hospital. She called me to say she was coming back, and she <laughs> said she walked out the hospital. And um, Bren's sister picked her up from the hospital because they have a caravan as well. Um, she got out of the hospital and she said she just bent down and kissed the ground <laughs> and just hugged everyone around her. I went and saw her straight away and we had a glass of wine and just just sort of sat, didn't really speak. How did you feel when she got out of the hospital and you saw her again? Oh my God, I couldn't wait to see her. I remember pacing back and forth in the caravan, so excited. I thought I was gonna die. Um, I really did. I really thought I was gonna die. And I am just so thankful for that image of a starfish that just popped in my head. If it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for the starfish, if it wasn't for that one simple float, you know, my nine-year-old says, well, mum, you could have treaded water. And no, I couldn't. I, I couldn't breathe enough to tread water. The only way that we survived is because I went into that float. It's the only way. And it gave me enough strength and time and and um, a chance to just really be calm enough to make the right decision next. Yeah. And to put myself in the right frame of mind to go, okay, now swim backwards and go. And I did, and I had all the strength. I felt like flipping Adam P.T. I was just like cruising through the water. And I just thank God that, Austin was standing where he was. I know that he was meant to be there. I have no doubt in my mind that he was meant to be there that day. And I didn't have to save Margaret. I didn't have to. That wasn't my role. Margaret will say, Tina, no, you saved my life that day. If it wasn't for you, and and I think it wasn't me, it was Austin. And Austin did save her life physically. She said, but if you hadn't have gotten his attention and, and had enough where you got back to a place where you were standing up and it's like a chain effect, I guess. Everything sort of not had a knock-on effect where one thing led to another, led to another. And so. like you were saying earlier, sometimes <clears throat> the strongest acts are the, the kind words and mm. physically being there. Mm-hmm. And you were there for Margaret yeah. and she wanted to come out with you and she yeah. wanted you to go swimming with her. Yeah. And she said that she had the best time mm. and you helped her feel alive. Yeah, 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 that's true. Thank you. What's your friendship like now? We, we call each other sisters now. Now we'll send each other messages on WhatsApp and it's... Uh, how are you doing, sister? Are you okay? And so I don't, we only see each other during the season because of the caravans. But I've told her that I want to make sure I go to Manchester and spend some time with her, um, just her and I. And I do think we're, we, we're a lot closer. Um, someone, the, the man running Paul, who he took a photograph that day um, when he was on his run. He didn't realize it at the time, but when he captured the photograph, in the left side of the screen or the image, you can actually see Austin pulling Margaret out of the water. And I have a friend and she creates 
nautical themed postcards and prints and she puts um, a bible verse to it and attaches a verse so I sent her the photograph and there was a verse um, from Isaiah that said um, that I'll not let the waters wash over you and I was thinking about that verse when I looked at that image because I really feel like God prevented that from happening that Mm. he didn't let the waters wash over us and she created um, a greeting card for me and then put it into a shadow box frame. So I bought one for me and one for Mags. So we both have the picture framed with the Bible verse under it in the caravan. So I've got mine and she's got hers. So yeah, we've got a, we've got a lovely friendship, but she is, she's like my big sister. I can't get over how generous it is for you to share this story. Mm. And I think that's a quality that you have in spades. Mm. Not only were you so generous to share that story of what happened, you were generous in everything that you did for Mags that day. Mm. And I'm so, so thankful that you shared that with me. It's nice to talk about it. Is it? Yeah, Do you feel better? I do. I do. I feel a lot better for talking about it. It's a privilege to be able to have the conversation and replay it and, you know, go through it. It's painful, um, yeah. but that's okay. Huge thanks to Tina for sharing her and Mags's story of floating to live. Mags has made a full recovery. If you remember nothing else from this podcast, then remember that starfish position. Lie back, arms and legs spread wide. Fight your instinct to thrash about in the water. Stay there for 60 to 90 seconds until your breathing is under control. And if you're in a rip current, don't swim against it. You won't win. I'm Jasmine. Thank you for listening to Lifesavers from the RNLI. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like and share it or leave us a review. It will help other people not just find the podcast, but more importantly, learn how to float. Because that day it was Mags and Tina. Tomorrow it might be me, but it might be you. If you want more information about how to support the charity, head to our website. Lifesavers is produced by and in collaboration with Adventurous Audio Limited.